0: Sorry. Well, again, good morning. A blessed Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. I have the pleasure of trying to bring to life for you today one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And uh, to do that, uh, I'm going to ask you to help me imagine four big fat things. So the first is a big fat sea, the lake. Uh, Sea of Galilee, that's where you are. Uh, Big fat beach, that's where I am, here on the shore. And uh, then we're going to need a big fat boat. So we'll we'll pretend this is the front of the boat. You can see it here. And then the sides go down into the water. You can see benches here for four fishermen. And uh, then you have the mast and, of course, the sails and stuff. And the last big fat thing is a big fat fisherman, which, which is me. And um, yes, you have to imagine me bigger and bushier and burlier than I actually am. So again, a big fat sea, a big fat beach, a big fat fishing boat, and a big fat fisherman. That would be me, uh, Simon, the one Jesus called Peter. Wow. Being, being back here, it's, it's amazing to see the water and the, the boat. Oh, look, the nets. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, would, you, hey, would you like to hear a Thanksgiving story? It's the story of the day where my life changed forever. I uh, grew up right here in Capernaum. Uh, you can see Capernaum just in the background there. My father was a fisherman, and I was a fisherman, and my younger brother, Andrew, of course, he was a fisherman. Uh, what else would you be? Uh, the, oh, uh, are there any fishermen here today? Any of you fish? Yeah. Yes? One. Uh, now, are you a real fisherman? You know, with a big heavy net uh, fish sort of a dozen at a time, or are you the sort of whizz, whizz, playing at it with the, the sissy sticks that, uh, fishing, fishing pole, yes, Fish no? All right, uh, so no real fishermen here. Uh, I'll tell you the story anyway. Uh, I was about 30 that year. I, I was always the big, strong one. Andrew's my younger brother. Uh, he's the smart one. I was the only one married at the time, a bit of a leader in that younger circle of fishermen, the next generation coming up. All of us were really longing for Messiah. And that was because we really hated the Romans. And in spite of that, Andrew was the only one out looking for the Messiah. We were all back home fishing, longing for the Messiah, but he went out looking. Boy, did I hate the Romans. It's, It's different now, but back then just really hated them. I also hated Samaritans, I hated Syrians, I hated lepers, I hated tax collectors. A tax collector is very similar to the lepers. I also hated the Pharisees, holy and righteous as they were. They always just made us feel unworthy and ashamed, like we were falling short. I didn't like that either. Now one person I did love was the Lord. And I loved the Lord from a safe distance, where my big mouth and my bragging and my brawling wouldn't get me into more divine trouble. Thinking back, it's all that hate, the Romans, the Samaritans, the Syrians, that's just, it was a life of condemnation, of of separation, of isolation. And then the day came when Andrew came running back and he told us about John. John the Baptizer, crazy guy in the wilderness. Now, Andrew was excited, but I didn't bother to go to hear him. Again, I I don't need another person telling me that I'm a bad person. That I don't measure up. that I need to repent. So I didn't go. But then... Andrew said that, John said that Andrew should actually follow Jesus, the son of Joseph, who was a carpenter in Nazareth. That raised a lot of hopes, but I'll tell you, it it didn't sit right with me. John was this crazy guy out in the wilderness, but Jesus was the opposite. He, He was too normal. Too ordinary, too everyday, too just like us. Um, He's engaging in everyday life the way that we were. And that's not my idea of a messiah. He's just too much like us. You know, when he returned to his hometown in Nazareth, they tried to kill him. Why? Well, he started off with these wonderful words from the scroll of Isaiah about good news for the poor, and that's us. And he he went on to talk about freedom for the oppressed, and that's me. But then he went on to talk about this being the year of the Lord's favor, sort of a jubilee, but not for Israel Over the other nations. Not for Israel being lifted up among her enemies. No. Apparently this year of favor was for all the nations. For all people. And that, that is not what we wanted to hear. Now don't get me wrong. Jesus was amazing in many ways. The day came and he actually came to our synagogue and preached there. I didn't go, but I heard he was incredible. You know, he even cast out a demon right there in the synagogue. The crowds just went crazy. And do you know what happened? Andrew, the brilliant younger, younger brother, he brings the crowds back to our house. Yes, yes. It was just packed, craziness. And in the midst of all of that, my mother-in-law uh, fell ill. She just got this terrible fever all of a sudden and collapsed. We, we actually thought she was going to die. But Jesus came to her and, and prayed over her and, and healed her right there. So it was amazing to see. But the crowds just grew bigger and bigger words spread and you couldn't go anywhere without running into the crowds who were following Jesus yet he's just not the messiah i'm looking for he's he's like me every day ordinary he's not big and strong i'm looking for a king uh, like a warrior or at least a poet but Jesus is just ordinary, everyday, uh, fitting in with the rest of us. I mean, he doesn't have to be crazy like John out in the wilderness, but kind of a little bit set apart, a little bit high and holy, uh, doing things that no one else does, a, a gathering an army, that would be good. Oh boy, could he gather a crowd? He did that very well. The crowds, they're just growing every day. And, and that, that brings me to the day where my life changed forever. It was a morning, just like this, happened right here. You see, we fish at night. Uh, we use torches on the boats to attract the fish into the nets. And this night, we had worked all night and we had caught nothing, not a single fish. And you understand we're poor, so if we don't catch fish, we don't eat. So we're all just in a terrible mood as we're bringing the boats back on shore and we're getting the nets out and we're washing the nets and cleaning the nets and fishing the nets and folding the nets back away for our next evening of fishing. We just want to go home and forget this night and sleep. And who should come along? Jesus with a huge crowd coming down the beach. And wouldn't you know it, he stops right here by my boat. And as he stops, the crowd comes gathering in because they're hoping he's gonna preach. And, and the people who are with Jesus and Jesus start, start to get backed into the water because the crowd is like pressing in and crushing in. So Jesus is down here and he, he says to me, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? I almost swore out loud this was the last thing I wanted. I was heading to bed after a terrible wasted night of work. And now this preacher wants me to spend a couple of hours more, who knows how long, holding my boat out in the water so he can speak to the crowds. but he is, he is a rabbi and, and he did heal my mother-in-law and he—he um, he's a hard man to say no to if you, know, if you know what I mean so we both sat down in my boat Jesus sat at the front the crowd sat on the shore he preaches, they're amazed I'm holding the boat in place trying not to fall asleep And finally, finally, he's done. So I bring the boat back to shore, and I'm expecting he's going to jump out, say thanks, see you later, great. And at last, I get to go to bed. But instead, instead of this all being over with my debt repaid, he turns around to me and he says, Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Uh, This time I did swear, under my breath, but I did swear. You see, we don't fish in the daytime, and we don't fish out in the deep water. We fish by the shallows where the little streams and the springs come bubbling in, and and in that fresh water, this is where the fish are. That's where we fish. Now, preacher guy, Torah guy, carpenter from Nazareth is telling me how to do my job. I think, just to prove him wrong, just to make it clear, to prove to both myself and him that he's really not the real deal. I said, okay, uh, master, we've been fishing all night, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. I wanted him and Andrew to hear a little bit of sarcasm. In my voice. Oh God. Forgive me for that. And so Andrew and I. And Jesus. Go out into the deep water. And we throw down the nets. And we wait. The way we always do. And we wait. And finally the time came to pull in the net. So like normally. We pull. Pull. Pull pull and the net comes in 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 and then at the bottom of the net if we're lucky there's 10 fish like super lucky maybe there's 20 fish and so we just pull the net into the boat empty it out and get ready to go again but do you know what happened with jesus in the boat all right so i go to do my pull pull, pull. it wouldn't budge it must, it must be stuck on something. And I look down at Andrew and, and he's looking back at me because his end is stuck too. We're in deep water. There's nothing for it to get stuck on. So I say, Andrew, pull as hard as you can. So together with all our might, a couple of inches. And the net comes to the surface of the water and we see it at the same instant. It's an ocean of silvery, sparkling, slimy fish coming to the surface. And there is no way, no way we can move this net. This time, Andrew and I look up at Jesus, and he's just grinning from ear to ear, white teeth through that dark beard. In desperation, I, I call back, James, John, bring your guys. So they could see how my boat was leaning over from the weight of the net. And so they come rowing over as fast as they can and they get into our boat and together, all of us, as hard as we can, we can get this net up an inch and then we roll some fish into the boat and another inch and a few more fish come into the boat. At first, I could feel the fish around my ankles and, and, and then they were coming up to my shins. And, and then they were flopping around my knees. And half an hour later of backbreaking work, I'm up to my thighs in fish. And still, the net, the net is still very heavy. We pull that in. We start putting some fish into James and John's boat. And another half hour later, we've got both boats full of fish sunk down to the gunnels. If anyone moves, the boat would rock and the water would come sloshing in. It's like we have two big fat bathtubs full of fish. And I'm standing there in the fish looking. And I calculate, I said, this this must be like a year's worth of fish in one, two years, three years in one net. And then it hit me. It's it's this guy. It's Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, did this. And in that moment, suddenly the, the casting out of the demons and the, the healing of people and, and that powerful preaching, it all starts to make sense. It's him, it's him. This man, he, he was from God. This man is the Messiah. The anointed one. This man is is God. Now I'm overwhelmed with guilt and shame. I throw myself down before him into the fish. And I, I say, Lord, go away from me. I am a sinful man. I wanted the fish, but I was not worthy of this miracle. I believe that if a sinful human looked into the face of God, then you would die. The fire would fall from heaven or the earth would open up and swallow you whole. You see, all that hatred that I poured out on the Romans and the Samaritans and the Syrians, I now poured that out on me. I knew the way that I judged lepers. I know how I judge tax collectors. And now I judge myself. Away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And there was silence. I dared to look up. Our eyes met. His eyes were still smiling. I saw love. I saw compassion. I saw understanding of me as a broken person. I knew he could totally see me for who I am. And yet, he still accepted me. This was God not far away. This was God very near. This is God really here. And it was okay. For a moment, the world stopped. It was just me and Jesus in the boat and this gaze of love of compassion of understanding well that that changed my life changed my heart Jesus said don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people And, and so I did I left everything and followed him and so did Andrew and so did James and so did John. We left the boats, we left the nets, we left all those fish, we left our old lives, we left our old selves, we left everything behind, everything because of the way he looked at us. You, you could say the way he saw us was the reason that we left everything and followed him. We became fishers of men, fishers of women, fishers of children. A few short years later, I was, I was fishing for a Roman centurion called Cornelius in Caesarea. Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's like, it's like he didn't just know my material need that was in the fish. It, it, it's... It's like he could see the guilt and shame in my heart. My, my fears that I would never be enough, that I would never make it in life. But when that loving gaze fell upon me, I, I knew I was accepted. I knew I was beloved. And uh, that changes everything. He sees me the way I am. He sees deep down the person I was born to be. He he sees Peter the rock, the man I longed to be. Well, my friends, my friends still call me Simon. On that day, I went from fear to love. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, I would fish for people. Here's the thing. Once that gaze of love falls on you and you know that you're God's beloved, unworthy as you are, you realize that that loving gaze is not just falling on you, it's falling on others as well. I'm beloved and they're beloved. Not just the ones I like other, either, the annoying ones and the, the enemies as well. And I find myself wanting to love them the way that God loves them. And now there's a better way to say it. I want to love them the way I have experienced God loving me. So the love that comes from Jesus comes and it fills our hearts and, and, then, and then fills it to overflowing like those fish in the boat, overflowing in super abundance. That love comes and fills our hearts and then propels, compels us to go out and love others the way that we ourselves have been loved. Jesus calls us into what he's doing. We get welcomed and then we get sent out be a part of what he's doing decades later in my life I I tried to write a couple of letters to other followers of Jesus and in the second one I start by trying to make two points I think you call this second Peter 1 the first point that I tried to make that I learned from that day in the boat with Jesus is this, that God has given us everything we need for a godly life. The abundant life, the more and better life, the deeper life that we long for comes by knowing Jesus, by, by perceiving that gaze of love coming towards us. On that day, I knew that I was unworthy, but welcome on that day I knew I was broken but beloved and the second point that I tried to make was that in Jesus God is making us a promise that we can participate in the divine life that we can leave behind guilt and shame and by knowing Jesus leave behind selfish desires and move out towards other people that's the divine nature it goes out it finds it rescues now let me see if i can try to explain this you see there are times where i feel unloved and alone and i can stay there or i can turn inward and and perceive that gaze of love falling on me once again. And in that place of perceiving the gaze falling on me, I realize that the gaze is falling on others as well, and not just the ones I like, but the annoying ones and enemies too. And I am moved then to go and love them the way that God loves them, or as I said, to love them the way that God loves me. So I'm beloved, and they're beloved, because his love encompass all of us. You see, we're one in his love, in the love of Christ. We are one in Christ, and so I'm not alone anymore. That's one way it happens. Let me, let me tell you the second way. So sometimes I'm feeling in pain, I'm, I'm suffering and I, I feel alone, like no one understands what I'm going through, the, the suffering of not being able to change something that I really want to be able to change. And I can wallow in that or I can turn in and perceive that gaze of love. It's also a gaze of compassion, of him feeling my pain. He winces in the pain he weeps in the pain he laments the things that are not the way they should be and as that gaze of compassion falls on me I realize that that gaze of compassion falls on others who are hurting as well his compassion has no bounds and I in my pain want to move towards others in pain and you see it once again we are one One in Christ, because his compassion is for everyone. And there's one more way it can happen. Sometimes I'm sitting there feeling useless, like a failure. Like I always get it wrong. And I can wallow in that, or I can turn inwards and perceive that loving gaze, again, And that gaze is not just loving and compassionate, but it's welcoming, it's inviting, it draws me in. Jesus says, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And so I find myself welcomed into this great mission and and gifted and called and sent, and I realize other people are also gifted and called and sent. And so once again, we're all one in Christ, all part of this great mission because of that loving gaze that feels our pain and welcomes us in. I am on a mission with Christ. And that's why Jesus had to be so everyday, so ordinary. He became fully one with us so that we could become fully one with him one with others, one with God. That's participating in the divine nature. That's quite a deal. The end of condemnation, the end of isolation, the end of separation. I should wrap up here. I've learned that every encounter with Jesus brings transformation. As he sees us and we perceive that loving gaze on us, that compassionate, inviting gaze, there's a couple of invitations. They're invitations for me again today and I think they're invitations for you again today. The first invitation is to see yourself the way he sees you, beloved. Yes, you're broken, but still beloved. Unworthy, but still welcomed. And so the first invitation is to choose to see ourselves the way he sees us, regardless of how we're feeling. And the second invitation is to become a part of what he's doing. That call to leave behind everything. Maybe not like leave behind everything you're doing, but definitely leave behind the way that you see your life. It's now his life, his life in you and be propelled out towards others on a great mission that's changing the world. In short, we give up everything to be a part of his great story. Something bigger. Something we don't understand. Something we can't control. That's the participation in the divine nature. That is the abundant, more and better life that we are longing for. On that day he saw me he loved me he changed me he included me and he sent me and that's that's why I'm thankful today I'm Simon the fisherman the one whom Jesus called Peter Shabbat Shalom.